Welcome to the Open Adoption Project. This is episode 59. We're the Nelsons. I'm Sean. And I'm Lynette. And today we're sharing an interview with Jamie Weiss. Jamie is an adult adoptee who shares her perspective on openness and specifically in her situation, she shares how she didn't really talk much about her adoption in her home growing up. Yeah, and about the impact of that lack of openness and communication in her adoptive family. We're really grateful to share this episode with its perspectives because Jamie is a big advocate for adoptee legislation and adoptee-centered changes to the community. She's also hosting a podcast that just dropped this week called Adoption Rewritten, and it's awesome. It focuses on looking at children's books, focusing on the adoptee perspective of how these books might come across to adoptees. I highly recommend you check it out. And now we'll jump to our conversation with Lynette and Jamie. We are here on the podcast with Jamie. Jamie, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. To start off, can we have you introduce yourself? Absolutely. I am a mom of two, been married for 22 years. We live in Tennessee, and I am also a professional photographer. When I'm not busy chasing the kids around or doing some work, then we enjoy jeeping and going out, driving trails and things like that. I also love to write and, and, you know, foster my creative side. So those are kind of the things that I do in my spare time. So that's That's me currently as a adoptee. I was adopted in the seventies in a pre-arranged private adoption. So that was all organized before I was born. I went to my adoptive parents' home when I was five days old in a different state. So I was born in Virginia and then went to my adoptive parents in Georgia and uh, grew up in, in a closed adoption. So I did not know any of my biological family. And as an adult, I'm, I am in reunion with both sides of my family and now work to speak out about the, the things that I've dealt with as a, you know, closed adoptee or closed adoption adoptee and um, being in reunion and um, working to change laws in, in that regard around sealed records and birth certificates and all of that. So those are the things uh, that kind of make up who I am at this time. Well, I'm super impressed with all that you're doing in the adoption community. We'll talk more about that, I'm sure, as we keep going. You were adopted at five days old. Before your adoption took place, were you with your biological family? Were you in a middle transitioning point? Or so I was. I was, uh, you know, born in a hospital uh, in Virginia, but originally it was organized that I was supposed to have been born at a hospital in Georgia. My uh, biological mom, her parents were divorced. And so her mom lived in Virginia. Her dad lived in Georgia. So she was kind of, you know, in between the the two homes. So, um, so when I was, when I was born in Virginia, since that wasn't the original plan, 
the hospital didn't know that I was going to be adopted. Whereas in Georgia, that was planned and the doctor knew that. So it probably would have worked out a lot differently, uh, being that they were aware I was I was going to be adopted. I probably would have been taken immediately. But instead, being in Virginia, when she had me there, I was just in the room with her like any other mom. Yeah. And she had to stay a little longer. She had gotten ill and had to stay a little longer. So therefore I stayed in the hospital with her. So for those five days, I was in the hospital with her and wow. she actually had to stay a little while longer. And they would have just, I would have just been there with her because they didn't at that time, they just didn't discharge babies unless they discharge mom. And, yeah. uh, but my adoptive parents were uh, knew I had been born at that point and were anxious to to get me. Uh, I believe they were a little nervous that the longer I stayed with her, the more risk there was that this would not happen for them. And so they did, I guess, put in <laughs> a little urging there to uh, have someone bring me to them and, and take me from her. And so it just so happens that that was on the um, day five that I was born was also uh, my my biological mom's 18th birthday. Oh, wow. So she was very young. And, mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> well, I don't know if we should jump ahead to this, but we'll try. Mm -hmm. um, so you're in reunion. So you have reconnected with your biological mom. Do you Have you talked about how that was for her? Did she feel like she had choices and advocates in all of this process mm -hmm. um she she did not so she was mostly raised by her grandmother uh instead of her mom and at the time that she became pregnant this was uh the the spring of her senior year you know being 17 so she was not employed. She did not have a car. She did not have, you know, a career or anything of that nature. So she didn't have any thing to support herself. Um, her and my dad were, were were friends and maybe kind of dating, but it wasn't uh, some committed relationship going on there to where you know he was there as a support for her. And um, as I mentioned, her her parents were divorced, and you know family life being the way it was, uh, there wasn't the the emotional support and there wasn't uh, financial support there as well. She also didn't, didn't know and, and, and no one told her that there were things she could do to get support. So she wasn't aware of and I don't know what all was available at the time, but she wasn't aware of any support services like we at least I know we have nowadays and I'm sure some existed then, you know, uh, family support or welfare, food stamps, um, things of that nature. She wasn't aware of those things or that she could also, I guess, pursue child support, you know, so yeah. that she could be receiving that uh, financial support. So, she, she, you know, she just really saw no way that she could provide for me. Um, and, and, and herself like that, which is completely understandable. And as a 17 year old without, you know, nowadays it's a little different. We have internet and yeah. feel like you can Google anything, but 
I definitely think you have to remember it was the 70s. So you would have to find a phone book and think about what to look up or um, have some trusted adult that is able to help you and tell you and uh, bring you to appointments or introduce you to people that can help. So that just wasn't happening. And she didn't see a way around that. So did your adoptive parents and your biological parents actually know each other or was this all just through other people? So yes, my adoptive dad uh, worked with a guy who was friends with my biological grandfather. Oh, wow. Okay. So my adoptive family, my biological family did not know each other, but there was a, this, you know, intermediary or um, middleman there that knew, that knew each. So my parents were already hoping to adopt. So I think they had, had had a failed um, adoption. I don't really, <laughs> really like that word, but that's what people understand um, where something had happened. I, I don't really know. I've dug into all the details of that, but, um, but they had been ap applied, I believe, you know, to an agency or some sort to where they had been waiting for a long time. And uh, I guess this co-worker of my dad's, my adopted dad's knew they were looking to adopt and then also knew my biological grandfather and became aware of my mom's situation and, 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 he didn't connect them as far as, you know, introducing them, but I guess told them about the situations and then got a lawyer involved and stuff like that. But to my knowledge, they never, they never had any direct, you know, contact with each other. Interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when did you first realize that you were adopted or was that something that you always knew? Well, it felt like I always knew. But I was around four or five when I was told. I don't I don't actually remember being told. So it feels like I always knew, you know, but um, it, it my, my mom had a coworker whose son, I guess, said something to me about being adopted. And I don't know if it was specific to me being adopted or just in general to where then I maybe brought it up and said, what's, what is adoption or what? I don't, I don't know how that went, but for some reason, um, he said something to me about being adopted. And, and then that prompted my parents to tell me, although they, they, they did plan to tell me not any particular time, I guess, but before too late, because we, they had experienced a, a cousin that I have who was adopted that was not told and things didn't, go very well with that so they yeah. knew they were going to tell me that was that was the one thing that that they knew uh, they wouldn't keep it a secret but um I, I don't know when they would have told me if that that situation <laughs> wouldn't have happened but I was around four or five so just just young enough that I I guess absorbed the information but yet don't remember the actual event and it was an event it was a one-time event and we didn't talk about it again, pretty much. Wow, really? Yeah. Wow, okay. So in retrospect, what do you wish that your adoptive parents or your adoptive family um, had known about the needs of adoptees and trauma and addressing that? 
pretty much anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if, I don't know if this was, you know, par for the course being the seventies, it seems like to a, a large degree that it was, but I, I don't believe there was any discussion, at least that my parents were aware of that there was, there was trauma. Okay. Um, but like I said, the only, the only thing that really they knew was that they, they wanted to tell me they didn't want to keep it a secret that I was adopted. And other than that, I don't believe they really received any real training or information on how I might be affected otherwise, except by just needing to know. So, so like I said, when we, when they told me I was adopted, then we didn't talk, we didn't talk about it after that. It was, it was essentially, we want you to know this information and then, okay, now let's just move on and pretend like you're our child, which in some ways is great, but also not so great when there is that need to discuss it. There are questions, you know, that I had and by not ever talking about it, it's not that it needs to be and you know, you know, every moment of my life discussion, but it also needs, needs to be a discussion. Um, I did not feel I was uh, allowed to ask those questions or that those questions would be okay. I, I definitely felt that it was, you know, taboo and I would, I would be hurting someone or, or get in trouble for asking these questions. I just, just knew, um, or talk, or, you know, just talking about it in general. So I did, I did talk about being adopted to other people. Like I didn't keep it a secret from other people. Although I know my parents didn't necessarily like me, <laughs> even telling other people I was, ad I was adopted. That was still kind of a thing you really didn't do, but, um, but it didn't bother me. It didn't bother me to talk about it with other people. I just didn't, wouldn't talk about it with them because it felt, felt I wasn't allowed to, but it doesn't mean they said, don't talk about it, but yet there was, was just like, kind of the implicit feeling. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, and I would, you know, have fantasies and um, daydreams about siblings and about my parents and yeah. you know, all of those things that I would either just dream about in my head or would um I would write about sometimes but I would then make sure that I hid that or threw it away um or or weave that into my pretend play you know or um or things like like that like a funny situation. I think I was in probably, probably middle school, probably early middle school age playing, you know, with some girlfriend, hanging out with some girlfriends, whatever. And we were being silly and talking to some boy that was a friend of one or something. And so we, we began this whole little thing about how, that I had a twin, you know, that I had a twin and we lived in separate, you know, homes. And I don't know, it was just, I can't remember all the details, obviously, but some little pretend thing that I remember. And that, that came a little bit out of wondering, like, could, yeah. I have been, could we have been separated at birth? You know, because you just, you just don't know. You don't know, you don't any know anything. Yeah. So you had no pictures. Did you mm -mm. have like names, anything? Okay. Wow. 
not a thing, nothing. I didn't know where I was born. I knew what my birthday was. I was at, didn't, didn't know where, didn't know to who, didn't know why. Um, so hard. Yeah. Um, just a really quick side note. Have you ever seen three identical strangers on, it's a CNN documentary. I thought of that as you were talking. I was just like, wow, like so hard not knowing anything. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to throw in a really quick plug. It is a really good documentary in my opinion. I don't know. What do you think of it? Yes. Yes. I really liked it. It's really informative. It's heartbreaking, but yeah. Right. I think, um, I always hope that when people who are who are not adopted or are not familiar with issues with within adoption, um, that they recognize how unethical that was. Cause I feel like I've heard some people talk about it and they just, they focused on the fact that it was really cool that they found each other and really missed out on this big fact that this was super unethical for them to separate. So much loss. Yes. It, they never told the families, they never told the children. I mean, there was, yeah. And, and still <laughs> blocking those, um, files away to this day. Yeah. Major issue. Anyway. So I just yes. always, always hope that people don't miss is like, they, they get so excited and that's so typical in, on the sensational part. Yeah. Right. They get so excited about the, the reunion that they completely miss and dismiss the, you know, ethics and trauma and pain and all of that that happened long before so it's it's quite a hard juxtaposition to see people yeah that will they're like celebrating it celebrating adoptions and then celebrating reunions at the same time like I have a really hard time understanding (laughs) that because it's like you're you're celebrating them being separated in order to celebrate them being reunited it seems a little messed up I still can't get over the fact that you didn't have conversations about being adopted that's really wow yeah and I think that was um you know not all that rare for those of us that were adopted in that time period um I mean there's a lot there's a lot that of adoptees during that time and before that didn't even know they were adopted so obviously there weren't conversations going on there very interesting and especially in an adoption where same race adopted at birth you know if if you looked very different so if you have a different race a different skin color um or you know weren't adopted till you were two if you look similar enough to your adoptive family, then people can't tell and it's not talked about. Is there anything that you wish your adoptive parents had been trained on differently before adopting or trained on period? I would say there's, there's probably several things I could go into, but one thing that I think would have been really important and would have is still something that is important that maybe isn't taught a lot to adoptive parents is that while you are adopting this child and taking them to your home to raise them, they have another family. So 
when that adoption happens, although legally that severs all of those ties, and that's a whole other issue we can discuss, but although that legally severs all those ties, biologically, they will always and forever still be the child of that other family as well. So you should, you should, you know, understand that there's a need there to, to know about their family and their heritage and their, um, traditions and just you know, where they came from. There's, you know, possibly a desire there to reconnect with them, reunite with them at some point in time. Like you should, you should expect that rather than thinking, oh no, we adopted them. They're our child. They're never going to want to have anything to do with that family for whatever reason, regardless of how you feel about that family. It's like, you should more expect the need and the desire for them to know their family than not. And obviously it's, it's up to each individual what they need and what they desire, but you should just expect that it would be there rather than expecting it wouldn't be there. I know my, my adopted mom. Um, so I'll backtrack a little bit here and say that, you know, I am in reunion. However, since we didn't talk about being adopted growing up, I also didn't ever talk about searching or being in reunion. So I, I searched from the time I, I went off to college and I uh, found my maternal side of the family and was reunited with them for about 10 years before I ever was able to talk to my adoptive mom to let her know I had even searched much, much less that I had found them or that I knew them and I had been reunited. So, and I, by the time I told her, I had found my paternal side as well. So, um, so my adoptive mom had told me once when we're now talking about my reunion, because we now have been able to discuss things, not everything, but most things, so to say. And she said, you know, she thought that I, that if she was adopted, she would have never had any desire to find out anything about her first family or to, to find them like, well, right. Because you grew up with your family. So you don't know what it's like to not have them there. Right. So she thought, I guess that maybe I wouldn't have that need. I don't know. But, um, once she has actually seen me in reunion, so she has actually spent time with me and some biological family. She's quite amazed at how much we're similar and kind of how much I needed that. And she actually now has said she thought she would not have wanted to know, but now she's like, I, I think, yeah, I probably actually would have wanted to know too. So it's very interesting, but I just, it's kind of surprising that, I don't know, I guess that adoptive parents just aren't taught that informed on that more and trying to help them empathize with the fact that it it's it's hard for you to understand that need or want to know where you came from when you you've always known where you came from like that's a 
a privilege that you have that, that we don't. And you're going to have to just kind of recognize that that need exists and, and not take it as a slight towards you or, you know, a, a offense towards you by us wanting or needing to, to know our, our family and our, our origins. Absolutely. That's great advice. So can you tell us about what reunion has been like for you? Yeah. So yeah. it, it's been both great and, um, and hard at the same time. So I, I um, have the, the reunion with my families has been great. Um, I think what has been hard is that going through the reunion has allowed me to start asking some questions and digging into things to where I have discovered things about myself that I wish I would have known sooner <laughs> in life. Yeah. Um, because nobody was talking about adoption or the trauma of separation and uh, all of that and um, becoming more aware of the secrets and um, unethical actions and things that that took place and just that do take place in general in the industry but specifically even in my own adoption. So I had a great uh, adoptive family. My parents were wonderful and we had a big family and I, I love them all. It was great, right? I have a great biological family. We've reconnected and um, there was no, you know, rejection there or anything like that. So, so that's been wonderful, but painful to see um, the things that you begin to learn as you begin to uncover that story and kind of bring all the pieces together. So I think, I think people typically see reunion as the solution or the, what's going to bring healing mm -hmm. and it, it, it can and does in certain respects, but then can also open up other wounds or create other issues or, or, or just amplify issues that exist. So, yeah. and that, that's not just within, that's not just between, you know, me and my, um, adoptive family. So my, my adoptive dad has passed away. So now it's just my adoptive mom that I have now, but it's not just between us. It's not just between myself and biological, you know, parents and siblings. Um, uh, it's you know, also with me and my spouse with me and my children and all of that. It's just me and the church. <laughs> it, it really um, causes you to look at things with a, a whole different perspective and a whole different view. Yeah. So good and bad, you know, it's both. So it felt like a really like just completely life altering experience. It sounds like. Yes. Definitely. And do you think that you were expecting that or maybe to some extent or? Hmm. Hmm. I, well, as far as, as far as what would happen in contacting biological family, I tried to keep my expectations low because I just didn't know what would happen. And obviously it can, can go either way, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I tried to be very aware that 
anything could happen and to not be disappointed. So kind of keep those expectations low in that regard. But um, I think so much of the media that you see is just the immediate reunion that that is typically in the media shown as a, a, a joyous occasion. And um, you don't really you don't really think a lot past that. You don't really think what is it going to be like, not just on the day that we first see each other, but when Christmas rolls around, how does that look? What's it going to be like when there's family reunions or when you talk to your children about grandparents and how, who is related where and <laughs> Um, you don't think about the, you know, time where for me, you know, my time's always just pretty much had to be devoted to one family. And now I have, you know, my adoptive, um, family I've got, uh, obviously I'm married. So I've got my, you know, um, family by marriage and I've got my maternal side of my biological family and my paternal side of my biological family and just, you know, all of these different things to where, you feel so torn and pulled and I I don't really think I expected expected that and I don't know I, I think I just didn't really know what to expect beyond that initial initial um meeting and and connecting with each other and you know you're always you're you're just hopeful that it's going to go really well and it did um but then okay what now <laughs> so so what advice would you give to adoptees who are starting this process or who are in this process trying to navigate these new relationships? What advice would you have? Brace yourself for anything. Um, really try to, to remember that um, the reaction of, of, anyone that you might contact in your family, um, whether that be, you know, good or bad, especially if you get a bad reaction, that that has nothing to do with you. You know, it, it's not about the way you contacted them. It's not about, um, you know, who you are or anything of that nature. It's, it's usually has to do with you know, whatever is going on in their own life currently or what has, you know, gone on in their life in these years that you've been apart. Um, there's so, so many things that that play into that decision of someone to say, yes, I would like to connect or I would like to um, start a relationship that has absolutely nothing to do with you as a person, because at that point they don't, they don't know as a person, but I just see that so many adoptees upon getting a rejection and and I'm speaking I'm speaking to this as something I actually didn't experience so I hope I'm not speaking out of turn but I'm, I've heard so much from you know fellow adoptees that feels so it feels so personal right because even when we when we go to contact our families I, I did this too it's like you, you kind of feel like you're sending them a resume 
at first because you're trying to tell them, um, here's the, here's a little bit about me and you know, I really am wonderful and um not a not a crazy person and I'm not here for your money and I'm I'm not here for anything other than just I want to know where I came from and and all of that. And so you're 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 so trying to win them over and to get them to allow you the opportunity just to get to know them, to speak with them and to have that denied. That's, that's very painful. I I mean, I, like I said, I didn't experience that thankfully, but uh, I, I can empathize. Like I, I I kind of feel like you, you sort of prepare for either way. So you kind of know how that's going to come if that's what happens it's just going to be really painful and feel very personal to be rejected in that way especially knowing if it's your parent it's like that's your own parent and they're saying no I'm not you're not even worthy of me speaking to or getting to know so um but that's not what they're saying what when they say no to a union what they're saying is I have issues I haven't dealt with. So reunion is not okay with me right now. Uh, you know, I have uh, life situations going on that reunion is not okay with me right now. Um, you know, I have kept secrets that I'm afraid may come out on, so I cannot have reunion right now. That's what they're saying. They're not saying you are unworthy, but rather that they are unavailable. That's really well said. Yeah. So in your experience, what do you think some ways are that others can support adoptees and help them address different traumas and different struggles as we try to move on and make things better? Uh, I think one of the biggest things is validation. Just being validated in, in the fact that we have needs, that we have desires, that we have trauma um, because so many times uh, we are, even when we become aware of it ourselves, we are met with uh, dismissal of that or silencing of that. We want to talk about it. And so just that validation that our feelings are, are okay. Yeah. Whether they be you know, happy feelings, sad feelings, difficult feelings, confused feelings. Um, we have all of that because we are human beings just like anyone else and how you would feel about any uh, intricate situation like adoption. So um, I think the validation is huge. And, you know, just just listening and being supportive of of what our needs are. I think also if you're someone that is is closely related to the adoptee, it could be um, in one of the, the parent roles or a sibling or a spouse, and you find that you're struggling with what the adoptee is going through, I think it's important also for you to find help outside of the adoptee. So we are dealing with a lot um, with being adopted, with being in reunion, um, um, just 
that coming out of the fog or gaining awareness of, of, of more of ourselves in the adoption industry and things like that, that we just really have so much on us. It's, it should not then be our burden to bear, to have, to worry about your issues with, with our situation. Hopefully that makes sense. Um, I think that's really important to recognize. Yeah. And unfortunately we, a lot of times end up being the caretaker for everyone and kind of playing, you know, referee or feeling that, you know, like tug of war, like we're stuck in the middle and everyone's just pulling us in every direction and um, needing us to, you know, everyone needs us to be this and to be that and to be this and to be this. And we're trying, trying to do that. But, um, but if they can, if they can work on their own issues, especially with someone else, a therapist, a friend, a, you know, counselor, whatever, that would take a huge burden off of us because we already kind of feel like we are, you know, possibly causing trouble to people or, you know, that people pleasing tendency that a lot of us have and just wanting to hold on to those relationships and, and afraid someone will leave us. So we will do anything to make sure that everyone's feeling okay and everyone's doing okay. Um, and when they're not, and we're just, we're trying to please this person and that person and all these other people. And it can be, that can be very, very, very stressful. I think that's been for me, one of the hardest parts of, of being in reunion. Yeah. Wow. So what do you think some of the biggest challenges are in the adoption community as a whole? I think it is, you know, coming together to, to be able to speak to what the issues are in the adoption industry and with the laws that we have, there's, we really need everyone working together and it, it, it can be very hard because obviously the sides kind of get pitted against each other many times. And even in trying to work together, it, it, it can fall apart real quickly. So I think that just the biggest thing is for us all to, to be as empathetic as we can with each person situation um no matter what position they are and to just try and work together to 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 better things and obviously I'm an adoptee but for the adoptees you know um you know I'm a little biased of course but we we are the ones that had no choice in the situation and so, you know, we need others to help us to come alongside of us, whether it be supporting us just in our needs of dealing with the trauma that we have or our, our needs in reunion or our, our needs in our work to change the laws regarding, you know, adoption and so records and all of those kind of things just to, to make things to where it truly is what is best for the adopted person. Absolutely. That's so important. 
it really should be about the adopted person and not about anyone else. Right. I mean, that should absolutely be the top focus. All right. So you're talking a little about adoption laws and I'm wondering, do you want to talk more about things that you're doing to advocate with that? I thought that was really sure. fun before we hopped on. Absolutely. I'm currently working with the Georgia Alliance for Adoptee Rights. So we formed in 2021 and uh, myself and, and Courtney Humbach uh, chair the committee and we have a really just a great group of people that are part of our committee and we do have adoptive parents, biological parents, and adoptees all working together on this committee, uh, working well together, I will say. And we all hope to change the law in Georgia so that our, let's say our adoptees, our sealed original birth certificates would be available to us as adults. So that is uh, currently what we're working on. It's very important. This is this fight has been going on for decades across the country and and in other countries as well. And even in Georgia, this has been this is this has been attempted a few times before. But we are very hopeful. There has been. Um, several states recently that have have joined the the side of opening uh, original birth certificates to adoptees and we're hoping Georgia is going to be next I think we're sitting at 11 or 12 states that are currently open the latest was Louisiana and uh, so you know we just we, we need to get Georgia open and we, we hope to also then continue that work throughout the Southeast and the states that that aren't open as well. So, um, but Alabama, Louisiana, those are open. Um, we're gonna work on Georgia, hopefully, you know, working then also with some other adoptees in, in other states so that that every every adoptee can have, you know, equal rights, not only amongst adoptees, but also to our non-adopted peers. So, because it's the only thing that keeps us from having our own birth certificate, our own identity is the fact that we were adopted. So we hope to change that. I know one of the uh, people we've spoken to recently who is, who is telling us some of their story, uh, they were adoptive parent and they had adopted a son in Louisiana and a daughter in Georgia. And when they, this law passed in Louisiana, their, their daughter was so excited for her brother about his ability now as an adult that he'll be able to get his original birth certificate. However, this little girl also knew at the same time, her birth certificate is still sealed in Georgia. And, she, and it is an open adoption and she does have access to her um, biological mother but yet she can't have her own birth certificate and so here in her own household you can see these two adoptees in their own household have different rights simply based on the state that they were born in and adopted in so um we could change that 
Well, I think that's so exciting that you're working so hard on that. It's really important. So how do you think your adoption experiences have shaped your life, your relationships, where you are right now? That's a, that's a complex question. So some of which I think adoption has affected my life in, in ways that I may still even be unaware. And, and then there are ways that I was unaware for a long time, but then have, have become more aware of as an adult and especially in reunion, definitely, definitely in relationships because we know when we we read about and learn about trauma how that affects us and how that causes us to um, be in relationships with other people and how we handle those things so there's so many things that I knew about myself but I just thought it was just me I didn't I didn't know you know, it was, was this biologically how I was, how I would react or how I was supposed to be, or did I learn this or something of that nature? Um, and so many things that I've come to, to find, it's like, okay, sure. This was biological or, um, maybe this was biological, but then this is how it was shaped by being in my adoptive family where it may have been sh- shaped differently being with my biological family and it can obviously be hard to to know if that would have been the case or not Uh, but then it's those things that I have come to be aware of that were shaped by the trauma those are the things that I think have bothered me the most um, realizing those especially that that people-pleasing tendency I uh, thought that was just me that I just you know, like to make people happy or um, most of my life friends, right? I would always have more uh, male friends, you know, just, just friends, but that's who I would prefer to hang around with a lot of the time and uh, thought that was probably just me. But then I've come to kind of learn it's probably more of a trauma response and being separated from my mother and then having you know, mother issues and things of that nature, which makes me kind of sad because you then think back to how, what would I be like without the trauma? Yeah. How would I have done differently? So I can work on that now, obviously, and uh, work through my issues and, and try to change the way I react now. But at 43 years old, my life has been already very much shaped by by that you know your marriage and how you relate to your spouse and relate to your children and just all of that and so it's very hard I have to really try and think and evaluate my own actions in my own home on a regular basis to think about you know how am I reacting to that because of trauma Am I parenting my children a certain way because of trauma? Am I doing what's best for them? Um, how is this affecting them? How is this affecting, affecting my spouse and um, everyone around me? So yeah, it's, it's tough. Yeah, 
Thank you so much. Can you share before we wrap up about the podcast that you're working on? Mm-hmm. Cool. Absolutely. So uh, another adoptee and myself, we've been working on a pop- podcast called Adoption Rewritten, where we are reading children's books mainly, but possibly some some other books that are adoption related, some more loosely than others. They may also be um, trauma related, things of that nature, but mostly looking at books that adoptive parents in particular may read to their children. There's a lot of books out there and tends to overwhelmingly be written by adoptive parents, um, Mm -hmm. these books for adoptive children. And so we've been reading those and taking a look at, you know, what's done well in the book, what is not done so well. Uh, Some are our older books. So the very first book that will be featured in our in our first podcast is The Chosen Baby. So that was a book that was popular from, you know, the, the 50s, 60s, 70s. And uh, so it's a much older book. So we're looking at the narrative in that book versus you know, newer books that exist and and how the narrative has changed and um, has it really changed? <laughs> is, it, is it better? Do they handle it well? What books would be well-suited for adoptive families to read or not? and kind of making some recommendations on those um, from our perspective as adoptees and as adult adoptees who have have worked through these things. So, because I know I will, I will say, you know, as a child, that that's one perspective that you have. And then as an adult, you have a different perspective. So yes. we're trying to just work from, from our experience and um, our, our viewpoint to give adoptive parents a heads up. Hey, this might be triggering or um, this might be helpful. And and hopefully, hopefully it'll be a podcast that will um, help adoptive families to have, have good conversations around adoption using well-written children's books. That sounds so amazing. I am really excited for your podcast. We will let our listeners know when it's ready because that sounds like such a great resource. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate you. Thanks so much. I appreciated talking with you and um, learning more about you too. And we were talking earlier and um, just hopefully this was helpful uh, to you and to your listeners. Thank you so much. Thank you again to Jamie for joining us for this episode. I really enjoyed listening to their conversation. So much of what she had to share was, I think, really relevant for us as parents of four adoptees. One of the things that she shared that is just kind of resonating with me, and I'm glad that it kind of changed how it did, but she said that her adoptive mother at one point said, you know, I think if I were adopted, I don't think I would have searched or looked for my birth family. But when her adoptive mother met her birth mother, um, her perspective changed a lot. And then she, you know, she talked about how uh, she could then understand why she wanted or needed that connection. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, yeah, that important 
piece of your identity that comes from knowing about your biological family and your roots and having a connection to that part of yourself. I really appreciated the dialogue she brought about how important that is and how integral that is for an adoptee. I think another thing she highlighted that we've seen in our children at times is that often, um, or maybe it took her a while to understand this, but often adoptees um, kind of want to please everybody or like kind of say yes to everything mm-hmm. um, in making friendships or relationships, those type of things. And um, I don't know if I had ever really connected some of the dots that I was able to as she shared her perspective. So I'm really grateful that she shared that. Um, and for me as a parent now, um, in some way, I think that I can maybe better provide or be more understanding about the way our children might behave. Yeah, try to help them recognize that tendency to want to please everybody and find ways to take care of themselves and not worry about everybody else like that. Yeah. yeah that's really important. Yeah, I thought she brought so many interesting perspectives and really just such a valuable voice to hear. So thank you so much, Jamie, for talking to us. We really appreciate it. We hope that you continue listening to Adoptee Voices. We'll be back in two weeks with another Adoptee Voice on the podcast. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Open Adoption Project.